guys, we're on with the On The Social Butterfly, the podcast for those who are still finding their way, just like me. Today on the Wait What's Happening Now segment, Katy Perry speaks out about the joy of having a soon-to-be one-year-old daughter claiming motherhood is everything I think I was looking for. And I'll be there for you. The Friends reunion has aired and we are all crying with nostalgia as the cast gets back together for a TV special of their most treasured memories on the show. guys so glad to be back we are back with another episode of on the social butterfly i'm going to get straight into it we have our first story of the episode katie perry on becoming a mum everything i think i was looking for that is from today so for those of you who don't know katie perry she is an american singer songwriter and television judge she was born on the 20th of october 1984 which makes her 36 years old she was previously married to russell brand from 2010 to 2012. she is now with orlando bloom and they have had their first child daisy dove bloom who is soon to be one years old in august She has eight studio albums released. The first one was Katie Hudson in 2001, a Katy Perry 2005, one of the boys 2008, Teenage Dream 2010, Teenage Dream The Complete Collection 2012, Prism 2013, Witness 2017 and Smile which came out last year. So in this article, Katy Perry talks about the joy of having her first child, how the fact that lockdown and uh, being at home with her child has really helped her come into herself as motherhood and really embrace being a mother and she loves it. Uh, She said in this article, when you have a child, you have someone who looks at you and doesn't know anything on your resume, doesn't know anything about your bank account, doesn't know anything, doesn't care and just loves you. Unconditional love. It's just everything I think I was looking for. And in this article, it says that due to being a mother, she has really had the time to settle down with Orlando Bloom and with Daisy and focus on being a mother and focusing on being a partner rather than worrying about her music career or any other career that she has as well as she's been non-stop for a very long time now obviously as her first album came out approximately 10 years ago so she's been in the public eye for a really long time now and she says it's been really good being able to settle down and not really uh, worry about the public eye too much. Um, She says, I had 35 years of calling the shots and doing what I wanted to do, sipping all over the world and taking care of my career. Now I have this huge responsibility to look after such an incredible gift. It makes you quite vulnerable and reminds you of your own childhood that you want to probably do differently. I want to do differently. So in this next part of the article, she kind of explains that quote pretty much by saying that she was really nervous to become a mother obviously everyone is when they have their first child they go into motherhood they don't really know what to expect but it says now that she loves being a mother and has fully embraced the role and embraced the responsibility that comes with that role as well 
She says, now I get it. Now I realize this is it. This is the living part. Every day I'm like, can we go for a walk? When can we go for a swim? There was a good 12 years where none of that smallness existed. It was amazing to live big and wild, but sometimes it's nice just to throw the ball on the grass and watch your daughter laugh from the simple joys of the dog coming and bringing it back. I think that's such a great quote that she said. It's such a good example of pop stars and celebrities really not being able to focus on the small things in life and appreciate the small things in life just because they do have such a busy schedule. I mean, everything's just go, go, go for them and they don't really have the chance to really focus on family or focus on partners because they are so career driven. That's just the life of a celebrity, unfortunately. That's how you become successful. That's how the industry works. And it's really great for her that having a daughter has made her appreciate the small things in life rather than focusing on the bigger picture. It's so important for these celebrities to still think about themselves as humans. I know that the media and the industry most of the time doesn't really treat them like humans. So it's really great to have this downtime for her so she's able to really focus on herself and focus on her partner and her daughter and live like the rest of us. <laughs> it says in this article how she's really toned it back creatively. Like I know if you guys have seen Katy Perry, if you guys know Katy Perry, she tends to do a lot of these uh, big, really out there, big props, crazy costumes type performances. And it's really great to see her kind of hone that back, blend what you would be at home, that really at home persona to mix into her big larger than life persona. It looks like the two blended together in Perry's song Daisies, which is on her most recent album, which was released shortly after Daisy's birth. She says, as a performer, I've always relied on the love and acceptance and validation of the outside world and that ultimately can waver at times. I have gone through a real journey in the past few years of having fun with costumes and lights and props and theatrics, but I have another life at home and it's very small and normal. I don't feel like I have to be on anymore. And I think that's because I figured out both my professional and personal lives. I've weaved them together to be a full-fledged functioning human of sorts. I think that's a really great quote from her. A lot of celebrities tend to feel like they need to put on some persona in order to protect themselves from the industry. That way, if you have that huge persona and huge characteristic on stage, you can kind of go back to your normal life and not really have to worry about the media saying anything about you because it's not really you on stage. And I think that's such a poor stance for the media that celebrities feel the need to create this huge persona in order to deal with what the industry and what the media throws at them. And I think it's really great that she's kind of blended these two together. That way she can be like she's herself in her career and at home as well. As she says, I used to be really upset about going out into the world with no makeup on. Even for something like this, I'd be like, let's do some hair and makeup. And now I'm like, you know, I'm good. I know who I am and what you think of me is none of my business. I know that when I go back on stage, I'm going to do my best and give it my all as I always do with my projects. I've been professionally busy since I was 13 and now I've really stopped to smell the roses. I think that's such a great quote. It explains her role since the pandemic. She's been able to have the chance to really focus on her daughter and spend time with her daughter and her family. And she's really found herself and found her peace in that. And now that things are starting to open up and she might 
go for her career a little bit more now that things are starting now that we can see the light at the end of the tunnel with this COVID pandemic maybe she can focus on her career a little bit more but still maintain that easygoing humble lifestyle that she's now created thanks to the COVID pandemic she's had the time to really uh, take some time figure out who, who she wants to be who she is and that way she can uh, bring that forward for the rest of us and I think that's really great. Lucky for you that's what I like. That's what I like. Lucky for you that's what I like. That's what I like. And my next story on the podcast today, the Friends reunion is finally here. These are the 10 biggest moments and that is from today as well. I am so excited to talk about this one. For those of you who don't know, I'm in love with Friends. Everyone should be in love with Friends because Friends is amazing. For those of you who don't know or haven't seen Friends, what are you doing? You should be watching it. But for those of you who haven't watched it, Friends is a TV show that first aired on the 22nd of September, 1994 and ran for 10 seasons. Its final episode date was the 6th of May, 2004. It follows the lives of six reckless adults living in Manhattan as they indulge in adventures which make their lives both troublesome and happening. We've got the cast, uh, Jennifer Aniston plays character Rachel Green, Matthew Perry plays Chandler Bing, Courtney Cox plays Monica Geller, Matt LeBlanc plays Joey Tribbiani, David Schwimmer plays Ross Geller, and Lisa Kudrow plays Phoebe Buffay. Now for those of you who don't know, this year they've actually created a reunion, which is a hour and a half hour and a half, two hour long special that is on Foxtel. If you've got Foxtel, it's on Binge as well. It's on HBO Max, although I don't think we can get that here because I think that's an American one. And they sit down with James Corden as they talk about their experience on the show for the 10 years that they were there. They go back in back in time, really. It's so crazy. They remake the original sets of Friends. They make Monica and Rachel's apartment. They make Joey and Chandler's apartment. They make the they make Central Perk, which is the coffee shop that they all meet at and have coffee at and Rachel works at for a little bit. And they replay kind of their experiences on the show and kind of some of their episodes as well. I just want to highlight some of the best moments of the reunion special without spoiling too much. Number one, Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer were almost more than friends. This comes from James Corden asking the cast if there was any off-screen romances that happened while they were filming Friends. Uh, Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer then reply saying that during season one, they both had a huge crush on each other. It wasn't the right timing as they were both always in relationships when the other one wasn't. And Jennifer goes on to explain because of that, it never evolved into anything and they just channeled their love and adoration for each other into their relationship on stage between Ross and Rachel. And for anyone who is a Friends obsessed fan, you are fangirling so hard right now because there was nothing greater than the Ross and Rachel love story triangle square there were so many complications between their relationship within the whole 10 seasons 
David Schwimmer says, at some point we were both crushing hard on each other, but it was like two ships passing because one of us was always in a relationship and we never crossed that boundary. We've respected that. Jennifer Anderson goes on to say, honestly, I remember saying at one time to David, it's going to be such a bummer if the first time you and I actually kiss is going to be on national television. Sure enough, first time we kissed was in that coffee shop. So we just channeled all of our adoration and love for each other into Ross and Rachel. Um, in the Friends reunion, what they did was they sat down and they kind of did a read through for those of you who aren't sure what that is, either at the beginning of a movie or beginning of a TV show before they actually start filming, they all sit down as a cast and they do a read through. What that is, is they just read through the script, they find their objectives, they channel any emotions, anything like that. What they did in the reunion special was all of them sat down and they did script read-throughs of some of the episodes. And one of them was from the season two episode, the one where Ross finds out, which is the first kiss between Ross and Rachel and Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer actually do a read-through of that scene. And it's so beautiful and so emotional. And we all had the feels. Highlight number two, Mother Monster meets Smelly Cat. Now this one is, for those of you who don't know, Smelly Cat is a famous song by Lisa Kudrow, aka Fubu Buffet, that she does herself. She is a busker, a musician, a great one. <laughs> and she does a song called Smelly Cat. And in the Friends reunion, Lisa Kudrow settles down in Central Perk with her guitar to sing Smelly Cat. And in walks, dressed, inspired by Phoebe Buffay, is actually Lady Gaga. And they sing Smelly Cat together. Uh, Lady Gaga then goes on to thank Lisa Kudrow for being that one that encourages people in real life to be different and the odd one out. And to let them know that that's perfectly okay. Highlight number three, the one with the fashion show. This one was in the Friends reunion. If you haven't seen Friends, you won't know, but if you have seen Friends, you would know that they have there have been some crazy, crazy costumes in the show. They've had some very, very interesting costume choices. So what they did in the Friends reunion was they actually did a fashion show of some of the best costumes in the show that were modeled on a runway by celebrities such as Cara Delevingne, uh, Justin Bieber, Sidney Crawford and Matt LeBlanc himself. Uh, Cara Delevingne came out in both Rachel's bridesmaid's dress from Barry and Mindy's wedding and Ross's holiday armadillo costume. Justin Bieber presents Ross's Spudnik costume from the Halloween episode. Sydney Crawford comes out in Ross's classic leather pants. And for the last person coming on the catwalk, it was Matt LeBlanc himself, who recreated the look of wearing all of Chandler's clothes. And yes, he also did the lunges just like he did in the episode. Highlight number four, the trivia game from the one with the embryos. For those of you who haven't seen this episode, it is Chandler, Joey, Rachel, and Monica who put themselves into a quiz on who knows the other team better. So it's boys versus girls and Ross Geller creates a quiz. What it was is hilarious, interesting questions about each other. Eventually the boys win and the boys win the girls' apartment because that was the deal of the game. What they did in the reunion special was they actually recreated that particular scene. However, instead 
set of questions about each other. All of them joined in and they did questions based on the TV show itself. And it was so nostalgic and so wonderful to see all of them together, especially they recreated the beginning of the scene as well as the original TV show with the classic Ross Geller game show voice. And it was fabulous. Highlight number five, Matt LeBlanc dislocated his shoulder while filming a scene. That is from the season three episode, the one where no one's ready, where Ross is trying to hurry the rest of the cast up and things start to go a bit pear-shaped. In this episode, Joey runs to a chair that Chandler is trying to sit on. In one of the takes, he actually dislocated his shoulder and they had to put the arm sling in the TV show in the next couple of episodes. And this was actually meant to be the episode that took the least amount of time to film because it was all shot in the one location. However, the writers say that it was actually the longest one to film due to Matt LeBlanc's dislocated shoulder. And in this episode, Matt LeBlanc also remembered that it occurred in the one time they did not do a pre-show huddle before filming. And from that episode, they did it every single show. Highlight number six, Chandler and Monica's relationship was influenced by the audience. This section of the reunion special I actually found so interesting because I had no idea. What they did in the reunion special was they actually sat down with the writers of the show and interviewed them as well. And what they actually said was Chandler and Monica's relationship that ended up becoming a marriage and they had adopted kids wasn't always meant to be a marriage. It was only meant to be a fling that happened in London. However, it was the audience's reaction while they were filming those episodes that they realized how popular Chandler and Monica's relationship was. And so they continued it to go throughout. They wanted to see how this goes. They said, oh, we'll see how this goes. The audience seemed to really be liking it. So we'll take them back to Manhattan. We'll do kind of a relationship in secret type story and we'll see how it goes. And it ended up just getting so popular and so loved by the audience. They decided to take it that extra bit further and form a real relationship, get married, have children, and live happily ever after. Highlight number seven, the story behind Janice's laugh. For those of you who don't know, Janice is the love interest for Chandler Bing before Monica comes into the equation. She was known as this very irritating, nasal-toned woman who was in love with Chandler and had been in love with Chandler for a very long time. And she is known for her catchphrase and her hilarious laugh. And in the Friends reunion, the actor Maggie Wheeler, who played Janice, actually comes onto, actually comes into the interview and explains to James Corden that the laugh was never really meant to happen. But what happened was that she wouldn't be able to do a scene with Matthew Perry, who played Chandler Bing, without laughing. So instead, she kind of created this character laugh and the audience loved it and so it just stuck. Highlight number eight, where the gang would be today. Now, this was, this wrapped up the whole reunion in itself after Lucy Cujo explained that there would never be a Friends movie or another episode or anything like that. And we are all very upset about it. But it makes complete sense. 
it all ended at a very happy, all the ends were tied kind of note. And she's exactly right. You would have to untie all those ends in order for there to be a story to continue. But what they did do was they kind of explained where they thought all their characters would be now. Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer agreed that Ross and Rachel would be married with kids and Ross would still be a paleontologist. Monica is still ultra competitive. Courtney Cox said her kids are probably graduated, but she's still in charge of the bake sale at the elementary school. And you are still making me laugh every day, gesturing to Matthew Perry, who played Chandler Bing. Lisa Kudrow said Phoebe is still married to Mike, played by Paul Rudd, and living in Connecticut. She said they have kids, and I think she was like the advocate for her kids who are a little different and all the other kids who were just a little different. And Matt LeBlanc explains that he thinks Joey would probably have opened a sandwich shop on Venice Beach. And I don't know about you, but I would love to have a sandwich from Joey Tribbiani. If you haven't watched the Friends Reunion yet, guys, like I said before, it is on Binge and Foxtel and HBO Max. Although, again, I don't think you can watch it, but I'm not 100% sure on there. And if you haven't watched Friends what are you doing? You should be watching it. It's a great sitcom, feel good TV show, and it has lots of seasons and lots of episodes. So it's great to binge as well. If you haven't seen Friends, but you want to watch Friends, you will catch it on Netflix, Binge and Foxtel. That's it for our Wait What's Happening Now segment. Stay tuned and we'll be back with our Get Social segment. Thanks guys. Lucky for you, that's what I like. That's what I like. Lucky for you, that's what I like. That's what I like. Hey guys, and welcome to Beyond the Social Butterfly, the podcast for those who are still finding their way, just like me. Today on our Get Social segment, we are welcoming back my best friend, Lauren, as we discuss work-life balance. Lauren, how are you doing today? I'm great, Laws. How are you? I'm good, thank you. We're going to start off just talking about our personal experience in work-life balance and then we'll probably go on just to let you guys know of some strategies that we found in our experience. So Lauren, do you want to start off? How's your work-life balance going? (laughs) It's going. No, um, Loz, look, I think work-life balance for me is something a bit unique compared to others because of how I was brought up as a little girl I think so I I danced when I was young and I had a lot of different timetables that I was trying to manage with school and dancing and singing and then when I got a job at 15 I was then trying to fit a work timetable into that as well so I think in terms of time management I've definitely got that down packed but in terms of work-life balance yeah it's going it's (laughs) so going I think it's really hard in today's generation too when a lot of work-based processes are now on your phone. So you you have a constant influx of text messages and social media posts, whether it be on a forum dedicated to work or a forum like Facebook with a group, you know, which can really impact that work-life balance because you're seeing it when you're at home and you're supposed to be switched off. Yeah, it's supposed to be like your work-life kind of balanced time for life and yet you're being bombarded with work not necessarily to the fault of that individual but just happens to be like that because of the new age with social media and with technology 
our kind of career is embedded into our technology, therefore embedded into our lives. Yeah, which I think is so hard because, you know, you have these messages coming through and you're almost ignorant if you don't reply. And But at the same time, you need to take that time for yourself to continue doing what you were doing. Like, you could be at the gym, you could be out on a walk and then you have an influx of messages and your brain instantly goes to work even though you're not there. So I think that's probably the trickiest part for me with work-life balance currently. What do you do to try and combat that work-life balance? Like what are some strategies that you've put in place in order to make sure that you have that time spread evenly? Um, going back to, you know, talking about that technolo- technological influence, um, I, you know, I, I acknowledge the messages when they come through and if it's relevant to me, I do obviously read it or make sure that it's not of dire importance and if it is, I will reply instantaneously. But, you know, if it's not, I just try and put it away and go, I'll come back to that or think to myself, that's not important, I'll, I'll approach that tomorrow when I'm, when I'm at work. Um, I also try and do things for myself. I think definitely finding things around your work timetable is a really important factor into getting that work-life balance right so doing something that's you know going to educate you and doing something that's going to make you healthy and doing something that's going to make you happy so for me a couple of those things are reading and going to the gym so you know I, I do little things like get up just a little bit earlier before work so that I can fit in 20 minutes of reading before I need to get ready um, to start my day off well and just start my day off happy before I go into work as well. So we were talking before we started recording this podcast, we were talking about work-life balance as one thing. We, so you and I are both at uni, we're we both are. studying uni, uh, we're both woo! studying uni full time. <laughs> um, so we had a completely different view in terms of work-life balance versus work-life uni balance. How is work-life uni balance going for you and how are you trying to manage that and trying to spread that evenly between three things? Yeah, so to put it into perspective, I personally work 30 hours a week um, and study what's classified as full-time. I do three subjects um, at the minute. So it is a lot and I have been told that I'm crazy. Um, but I accept that with full force and, you know, I'm doing what I can do to better myself. But I think it's really important to timetable your week. I think doing that is what is going to put it into perspective because what may feel like a lot in your head once that's on paper, it's okay. It's doable. It's just boxes that you need to check off. Um, work is what it is. You need to go. For me, I work in retail, so I go, I do my hours and I come home and I then have the uni balance which is what impacts I think um, the work-life balance the most because it does take up an unprecedented amount of time and sometimes an unpredictable amount of time because you don't always know how long it's going to take you to do something and, and you don't always know how, how you're going to struggle with something which consequently can impact how you how you feel that day you know like you know lots once you start to struggle with something it get very frustrated, yeah, frustrated. and all kind of builds up and yeah work breakdown yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but you know like you do get frustrated with yourself but I think combating that through timetabling and those little tweaks 
uh, and setting aside time to not do uni work as well even if you've got all work even if you've got um a lot on and you know you need to get it done take two hours take an hour go to the gym go for a walk um take a day off work it's okay to have time off work too to get that balance back in check to tip those scales um back to the even point so yeah that's kind of my take on uni what about you um i think my experience so far at uni is maintaining work-life balance as well you need to set time out at the beginning of the like at the beginning of the week you need to reef you need to reflect on the week before uh what happened why did this happen what can i do differently how can i improve this in order to make myself more positive more more positive yeah in order in order to make myself more positive and more available yeah uh to look after myself and my friends and my family and I think at the beginning of week at the beginning of the week scheduling is always a really good idea. Mm-hmm. You need to set aside certain times. I personally don't have a very long attention span. I get very easily disengaged, very easily bored, and I get distracted and I move on to something else because I am sick of looking at the single one thing for 4 hours at a time. So what I like to do personally is that I like to set each I like to set each day, say Monday I'm gonna do uni today, Tuesday I'm going to work, Wednesday I'm taking time for myself, I'm going to I'm going to do an a like go to a doctor's appointment, I'm going to get your nails done. Yeah, I'm going to get my nails done, I'm gonna go have lunch with a friend or like you have those days set aside to focus on yourself and your well being and look after your relationships and those people around you. And at the beginning of each day, especially with uni days, I like to, at the beginning of my morning, set out my set out my day. Okay. And I say, in the morning, I'm going to work on this specific thing. I'm only going to work on it for an hour at a time. And then I'm going to take 20 minute, half an hour rest. Because I personally can't be engaged for that long. Otherwise, I get really distracted and really bored. That way I'm able to set a time limit. I'm able to set a goal within that hour. Within that hour, I want this much done. Yeah. And so that way, as a person who is quite ambitious, I'm able to set a goal and focus on it and be like, okay, I want to reach that goal. I'm going to reach that goal by the end of the hour because that's what I have set for myself. Yeah, I think it's really important too to come back at the beginning of a day um, and look at maybe even things you didn't get finished the day before because you then need to preset and you need to get those things accomplished today. Yeah. Um, personally, I always under plan. So I give myself extensive amounts of time to do tasks that I know shouldn't take me that long so that I overachieve. And when I overachieve, you get this sense of accomplishment, which makes you feel better. So then you keep overachieving. Um, which is really good. But I think coming back to like work life balance, even without that university concept, you know, you still have other things you need to get done. You could be a mum, you could be a dad, you could be a guardian or a sibling. You might need to run around after your little brother, your little sister. Those are things that you need to factor into your day. And they're things that you may feel as though aren't you time. Um, they're not giving you that life balance that you're looking for because you might just want to binge Netflix. You might just want to, you know, sit on the couch with a bowl of chocolate or popcorn or chips or whatever your heart desires. 
Um, but I think even with those daily tasks we have to do as people, it's important to look at all of those elements as well um even though you may not have assessments or a rigorous schedule to follow you need to look at the things you you want to accomplish because you don't just want to let life pass you by you know you've got a certain amount of hours a certain amount of minutes per day and you want to do the most with that time so I think yeah Yeah. I think if you're quite an ambitious personality type if you really love like if you really love accomplishment if you really love achieving something and achieving something well I think setting goals for yourself is such a good strategy in order to get stuff done because you're ambitious enough to see the goal in the distance and say to yourself I want to get there I you have the drive to be able to get there to achieve it And reflecting on those goals the next day or the next week or something like that allows you to then continue on to maintain that work-life balance as well as any extra commitments that you may have. And you say, yes, I have siblings to look after, I have parents to look after, I have children to look after. You're also able to set goals as life, as in your life segment and focus on yourself by the end of by the end of this week, I'm going to take 20 minutes each day to read a book. By the end of the week, I want to be able, I want to be halfway through the book or I want to finish the book or, um, like I want to, by the end of the week, I want to have my nails done. By the end of the week, I want to be able to attend a spa day. You gotta remember too, like one goal, one small goal every day is 365 goals throughout the year, which is a lot. That's a, that's a lot of accomplishments. And And you just think if you just tick one box every day, whether it's work related or life related. And it could be something, could be something really simple. Yeah. Like your, like your goal. Make your bed. Yeah. Your goal, your goal for the day. If you start really small and you work your way up, you find those small goals at the beginning are much easier to achieve rather than right at the beginning, you say, I want to get my I want to get this assessment done in one day. Like something yeah, like that is just happen. unreal. Something like that to to like to begin with when you're first goal setting and when you're first starting off is really unrealistic because you're not because in your mindset and in your mind frame you're not there to be able to set big goals. You need to set small little goals. So you feel like you have accomplished something. So yeah. you know you have accomplished something. So you have that confidence to be able to reach for something bigger. And accomplish more. I think that's definitely a facet of um, creating that work-life balance that I've incorporated into into my life. And, you know, with you and I too, including that university aspect, um, setting those small goals. And like I said, under planning and overachieving, it's the greatest thing and you know, I think we wanted to touch a little bit on how it affects your mental health as well. So I think when you when you begin to achieve those things, like we were saying before, you feel better. Yeah, and you have such you f- a you have yeah. a much more positive mindset so because you know that you can do it because you have completed something for the day. And you can fit in a nap and life is all well. <laughs> yeah. I do love my naps, but um, you know, sometimes they can't they just don't fit into the day and I get really sad. There's this time, one time was, and I, I went to have a nap and I went, I literally do not have time. I will not get the things done that I need to get done if I yeah. have this nap. That was sad. But yeah, I think looking at how, how the actions you take to create that balance affect 
um, your mental well-being because if, if you set yourself out to want to achieve something so extraordinarily big in such a small period of time and you don't achieve that, you're going to feel deflated. You will feel yeah, a little feel defeated. defeated. Yeah. Um, which, which isn't how you want to feel and then that consequently will impact you know, how you feel mentally and you're going to think, oh, I'm not yeah, good enough, imp- I couldn't get it done. It'll impact your relationships, your friendships and mm. it'll really... It just spirals. It takes, it does, it takes a toll personally, even if it's not even related to something in your life. It's just related to something at work, just related to something at uni or if it is related to something in your personal life, if you reach too far too quickly it can make you feel like you're not able to achieve anything. And that's 100% not true. And that kind of defeated and frustrated nature will affect all aspects of your life, whether it's involved in any of them or not. Yeah, I think, you know, another strategy too to combat that balance and create that balance is to just let work be work where plausible you know you may not always be able to brush it off and walk back in the next day with a new mindset but where you can do that do that if you don't need to take the work home don't take the work home like there's so many hours in a day allocated to being in an office and so many research like so many different research studies show that you know we work too often too like working six hours a day is more beneficial for the productivity of an organization than eight hours yet we still work eight hour shifts and then we go home and we do more work and we do more work so i think combating that time and taking taking the initiative and the stride to just leave that work at the office or you know your place of work and have that difference in time and do little things like don't take work into the bedroom because then you're creating that space that yeah. have you ever heard about that's that? So, and that's so difficult these days because so, so many people are working from well, especially home. Especially in the current climate. Yeah, yeah so many course. people are working from home. You find so many people struggle with that work-life balance because you find that their whole lives are in this one place and you can't yeah. find the opportunity to separate yourself between the two so people now what they would be working even eight hour days at the office they're they're working from home and they're doing 10 to 12 hours a day at the office and that's not that's not healthy you need to separate you might have kids that need to be taken care of it and it's really important that you separate that time and you say i'm going to work from nine till five and then i'm going to put down the computer and i'm going to separate myself from this position i'm going to move i like having a separate a complete separate space to do uni work i like going from my bedroom and walking outside of my bedroom and going this is my comfort place this is not where i do uni work this is where i relax this is where i sleep this is where i recharge and then i walk out and i walk out of my bedroom and i walk down into the study and i sit at my desk and i'm like this is this is my time to do work. This is my uni time. Sometimes I'll move from the study to the dining room because I like having the natural light and my study doesn't personally have any natural light, but my dining room has lots of natural light. But I sit at the I sit at the dining room and I have my laptop and when I finish my work, I shut my laptop and put my laptop away. I can still sit at the dining room, but now I know that it is not work time. It is 
if it's in the dining room, it is eat time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the um, time where I eat. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's so important, Loz, because I know, you know, as a teenager, you'd lie in bed with your laptop and go, oh, yeah, I can get my homework done. But you'd or, be you so, sit, or you sit in bed. Yeah, or... you just shut your eyes and you don't want to be like it. You need to separate those space spaces and because your brain will. It, it will interlink the space with the activities that mm. are done in there. So if you're in your bedroom... And you're sitting on your bed. Your brain's like, oh, are we are we gonna have a nap? Are we gonna yeah. go to bed now? This, this like, is time. This is time for sleeping. You're going to feel more you're tired. You're going to feel exhausted. You're not going to be able to concentrate. You're not going to be able to focus. I've sat in bed for lectures and fallen asleep because yeah. I was purely in the location that where I was. But yeah, yeah, I think that that's a really important strategy, especially in the current climate, like you were saying, where so many people are working from home. To be separating that time, I know. I've seen so many people, even my family, where they've started working from home and, you know, now where I I don't think I ever saw them, you know, looking at emails and doing that sort of thing as much as they are now. And yeah, I I even say to them, I'm like, bro, it's six o'clock, you know, switch off. (laughs) Why are you still doing that? Yeah, have a beer. (laughs) I think it's just so unfortunate now that people are working from home some people don't have the luxury that we do. Some people don't have that office space where they can shut the door and completely turn off from work life. Like I know my uncle does work on his dining room and he's got a bunch of computers all set up and it's not something that he can put away. It's something that has to stay out there. Otherwise, it's going to take two hours to set up and back up Yeah. every and, day. And, and that's not worth the balance. But it's it's so tricky then. What do you do? To then pick yourself up and walk away and not look at it for the rest of the night. Like, that's such Which a difficult... Which he probably does. That's, such, that's just such a difficult thing to comprehend, especially for our brains that's so used to going to the office, doing the work, coming home and completely shutting off. When you're doing work at home, your brain is getting very confused and it's saying, what is happening? Like, I should be... When I'm working, I should be at the, at the office. When I'm... At home, I should be focusing on my life and my family family. and myself. And I'm not doing that because I'm mixing the two together. And the brain gets very confused. And the brain turns the home into the workplace. Or the brain turns your workplace that is now has to be into a home and not necessarily focusing 100% on the work. I think an awareness of that is one thing that will will help to overcome this as an issue. I think being completely aware that this is, it is what it is, you know, it's the way the world has to operate at the minute. Um, But having that knowledge and having that understanding will hopefully let your, teach your mind that, you know, okay, these two things are interlinked, but we need to, we need to separate them. And I think it's so important, even just the simple the simple movement of turning off the computer, shutting off the computer completely, shutting off the laptop, shutting off the computer. As though you were signing out at the office. Yeah, as though you were leaving the office. If you have a email that's connected to your phone or a phone call that's connected to your phone, in that particular time, block that number, mute that, (laughs) mute that email address because before plausible (laughs) because obviously before covid it's not something that you would have done at home you would have had to answer you if 
it's obviously impo- not important enough to wait until the next day because that's what it would have been at the office. Yeah, so maybe take a minute to think, you know, two years ago, how, how would we have reacted to this situation and how how would you have responded yeah. to those emails? Before, like before, COVID, before COVID, what was I doing? Was I, was I going home and answering these emails or was it staying on my work computer and I would see them the next day in the morning when I would show up for work? Because if it's the latter, then, you know, you've got to think to yourself, one, what position are you in? What are you working for? Obviously, there's there's a lot of factors which will yeah. influence the it's way. Very object- it's very subjective. very subjective. But, you know, where plausible, you want to you wanna be able to do what you were doing prior to COVID and... Switching off even though you're at home. To the best of your to ability. The best of <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that that's a really important um, aspect of work life balance that especially this year and last year will impact the way your scale is tipping and perhaps it is too far to the work side and you need to get a little bit of life side back, which could mean maybe take some leave. Yeah, have some take time some, off. Take some time off, do Spend some time with your family. Spend some time Go on a for yourself. Domestic vacation, because that's the only place you can go. Because we can't go outside we of Australia. Cannot leave the country. <laughs> but there are some beautiful places in Australia. That yes. I myself long to go to. So I'm the same. Yeah. Let's go. Yes. Bye, guys. We're going on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Uni break. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys. That is the podcast for today. We hope you have learned something and taken away something from our chat. Thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Loss. No worries. Uh, make sure you like, follow, all that fun stuff on the podcast and the Instagram of the same name. But for now, this is Beyond the Social Butterfly, flying out. Bye. My intro song is the beginning of Runaway Baby. Oh, yeah. Just making one up. Oh, Bruno Mars. Yeah. I don't know, they're just pulling. <laughs>